0: This is Rebecca Lowe, or Rebecca Lua, if you listen to Suboptimal Radio, and you are listening to Men in Blazers on the NBC Sports Network. It's unbelievable!
1: From the Embassy Row Studios in the crap part of Soho, and from (laughs) my guest house, Roger never done it from here before, (laughs) in the crap part of West Hollywood, it's the Men in Blazers podcast.
0: We're back like Kike Sanchez Flores. (laughs)
1: is it him not sure maybe an actor playing him
0: oh i I would though wouldn't i (sighs) turn out did you watch the emmys david men in blazers (sighs) stiffed again zero nominations to go along with all those sports emmys we've won which also comes to a towering zero did you watch
1: yeah i've watched uh I, i always watch the emmys i enjoy the emmys um you did yeah, I didn't for all my other stuff at Embassy Row. We got stiff comedians in cars getting coffee, got nominated, but didn't win. But I've won a few, Rog. I've won,
0: I thought, won a few. I thought last night was, was just a huge snooze, like a time killer until really good TV, a.k.a. Succession, came on. I do think the Emmys need a host, like Manchester United need a real manager. But you are a television man, Davo, at your yeah. core. What is the best television show you've watched this year?
1: Well, can I just say? Shout out to Hamish Hamilton, a fantastic multi-camera director who directed the Emmys last night. And I thought the direction was superb. You can't do a lot with an award show. The format is basically in there. It's tough to make it more exciting than it actually is. Shout but I out it was to well Double H. Yeah, Double H. I thought that's was very good. Do you know what? You just mentioned it, Rog. I can't believe that you just mentioned it. And I can't believe that you and I have never discussed it. But Succession. Oh. I am properly... Last night I watched... Season two, episode seven. The weird thing is, is I never watched season one. It's like being a new American fan of the Premier League. And I've never witnessed Manchester United being good. But I haven't watched season one. I started watching Succession in season two, but I'm properly hooked.
0: Oh, it is the greatest. It is. I'm Team Jerry. I want Jerry to have her own spin-off series. I think she is <laughs> I think she is totally, totally magic. And we will talk about succession in this very podcast, Dave. But for me, they could have saved a lot of time this whole Emmys year. Just divvied all those little trophies up between Chernobyl, which I watched. I I wouldn't advise this to anyone. I watched Chernobyl on one entire flight back from England. I'd say it was an emotional plane flight. It was slightly doom-filled because of what I watched. But I still think about Chernobyl every single day. Fleabag, which, thank God, is just desserts last night when, when you watch fleabag it's like watching kevin de bruyne and you just think wow phoebe waller bridge is just she is kevin de bruyne next level genius and of course i'm saying this with such love and please run don't walk to your netflix and watch the entire series i wonder have you seen this dairy girls david yeah i watched it the other day how can you say yes okay it is It's like no other television show you'll watch this year. It, like, defies categorization. It's both hilarious, emotionally tore, and very, very deep. Did you not? No,
1: here's the problem I had with Derry Girls. I loved it. I loved every second of it, and I intend to watch the rest of it. But the person with whom I was watching could not understand a word the girls were saying, and so kept on stopping and asking me to explain what they were saying, which ruined the enjoyment of the whole thing. Who are you or
0: watching it? with? Kato Kalin from your guest house? <laughs>
1: the Kato Kalin does not live in my guest house,
0: <laughs> I like to picture him in the corner of your guest house as we're podding, just tied up and gagged by Davo, Only for the pod part, Kato, would you be tied up? And... I, the other thing I do love, quite a shout out to whoever put the soundtrack together for Derry Girls, the undertones, the crambies, tear inducing on its own. Watch it now and then let me know how much you love, love, love Devo. One last moment on the Emmys. Alex Borstein won a second Emmy, the best Alex since Ferguson. Absolutely, undoubtedly. She leaned into the microphone. She said, my grandmother is a Holocaust survivor who asked the guard when she was about to be killed, what happens if I step out of line? And the guard said, I won't shoot you, but somebody else will. So she stepped out of line. And because of that, I am here tonight. And then Alex Borstein leaned into the microphone and said, so step out of line, ladies, step out of line. And I heard that and it made, I mean, it made my month to be quite. I'm, I'm tingling as I hear that. I raise my bud to you, Davo, to life.
1: Before we get to the football, Rog, we've got some quick men in blazers business to tell you about now. We're, We're heading we to need Austin. A, we need
0: a sting for that. Men in blazers business. <laughs> wow. oh,
1: yeah, it's like the uh, C M I B. It's like our, it's like our business. It's like our business news. Yeah, we're heading to Austin, Rog. We're going to be there as part of NBC's Fan Fest, taking a live episode of the Men in Blazers show Friday, October twenty fifth. We'll air at five p.m. Eastern time that day. The studio recording, Rog, not open to the public. The two Robbies have requested a private show just for them, so we're going to have to do the show just for them that day. But we're Are we be allowed doing- to wear
0: pants, David.
1: Well, not if they're not. Hashtag invited. We're going to be doing a GFOP meetup, though, so stand by for additional information on that.
0: Hello to everyone in Austin. What a, what a city. What a, what a footballing passion emanates out of you because you all know you're living in the best Austin since Charlie.
1: And this Monday, Rog, September 30th at 5.30pm Eastern time, we return to television with a special episode featuring Cleveland Cavaliers. Big oh. man. He's a massive Chelsea fan. Let's hope he still is
0: after this weekend. Larry Nance Jr. Oh, Larry Nance Jr., who in my imagination is Jim Nance's son. He's also my fantasy football nemesis. I'm in his league, which he's put together. Josh Hart is currently crushing me. Stone uh-huh. cold killer. I did just overtake Nance this week. Nance, who was at Chelsea to watch the game, which we'll talk in a minute. He goes all in at fantasy on Chelsea's baby. So it was a tough week for him. KDB, Rog, triple captain my week oh glory
1: <laughs> okay Rog we've got a packed show we're going to break down league leaders Liverpool's rollicking maybe was it a rollicking 2-1 win over Build-A-Bear enthusiast Chelsea <laughs> we applaud 10-man Arsenal who stormed back from a goal down to see off Aston Villa in a Sunday 3-2 thriller at the Emirates you don't often say that and we duck and cover as City unleashed the heavy artillery on a Watford team fighting only with slingshots oh <sighs>
0: First, a toast. Oh, God, I've been dying for this moment. My first third bud of the day. Here it comes. Don't at me about the head of my beer, people. Oh, I want to raise this beer today to the life of Fernando Rixon. That combative Dutch midfielder, a Rangers cult hero who passed away heartbreakingly last week, aged just 43, diagnosed with motor neuron disease. He'll not be remembered as a wheelchair-bound figure who courageously faced up to his illness. He'll be remembered as a joyous maverick. Slightly unhinged, to be candid, a man who skippered Rangers to their most dramatic title in 2005. He had a difficult start to Scottish football. He was subbed after 21 minutes of his first appearance at Celtic Park, then sent off before halftime on his second appearance at Rangers for delivering a reverse karate kick to an opponent. But he grew game in, game out, to become player of the year during their double campaign. My favourite story about Fernando comes from 442 magazine. They said, someone was asked in the press room, was it true that Rickson had been named after the ABBA song, Fernando, to which the reply was, why did ABBA release a song called Dirty Fouling Bastard? <laughs> I raise this Bud Fam Blood Fam to his memory and to living life to the full Davey.
1: Oh, wonderful, Rog. Yeah, great player. My kind of football player, Rog. (laughs) Uh, Okay, Chelsea, one, Liverpool, two. Football's answer to dropping a mento and a Diet Coke, a frantic and frenzied affair that saw Jurgen Klopp's mob take a 14th-minute lead when TAA unleashed a blistering free kick. What a move that was, Rog. uh, Passed a helpless Kepper assist to Mo Salah. Chelsea took the punch on their peach-fuzz-filled chins and looked to have levelled the score on 27 minutes when Dave... Turned in some box slot, only to have it varred offside oh. in the, of the run A mere two <laughs> minutes after that decision, Bobby Chompa's emphatic header doubled the Reds' lead. The second half saw Chelsea come out swinging, pulling one back through an unlikely and incredible N'Golo Kante solo effort. But in the end, it's not enough as Liverpool earn their sixth straight win to start the season and stay five points clear of City.
0: Oh, what a game! What a game between Liverpool Scooby Doo. Chelsea's scrappy duo. It was Varsity versus Junior Varsity, hugs versus babies. I say so it's hard to believe this because the vibe is still great. But Frank Lampard was and is still searching for his first home win as Chelsea manager. And Liverpool, we've forgotten this, <laughs> but they entered after a chastening Champions League loss at Napoli, mortal for the first time this season, and well aware that for all the 97 points they amassed last season, they only won once away. At a big six club. So it was fantastic. High tempo fare from the off. Both teams trying to enforce their strengths on the game. An approach that you always felt favoured Liverpool with their experience, with their superior quality, man for man. Chelsea brought their endeavour. God bless them. You had Kante setting your tempo to high. And then you had Mount and Tammy and Tamori striving so hard to match it. Watching your Chelsea before all the goals flew in. They're like a manic labradoodle, eager to retrieve the ball and just kind of confused when their owner psychs it out by fake throwing it. I love what they are at Chelsea. It is hard not to enjoy watching though, David.
1: Oh, my God. In midfield going forward, this is a lovable, lovable football team. And there's some talent in defense, but it's not necessarily the talent you need to stop crosses (laughs) and and, uh, set pieces coming into the area. Look, they're coming off a midweek Champions League loss, also that sort of heartbreaking home loss to Valencia. You know, Frank Lampard forced into, you know, some tough decisions in his lineup before the game.
0: We will get to one which was particularly tough for a superpower named America in a minute, but the game came to light in the fourteenth minute. Liverpool, free kick one, dangerous spot on the edge of the area after a confused Christiansen. I think it's fair to say had fouled Mane Mane. It was a position that Commentators love to say it's too close to get the ball up and down from there, isn't it?
1: Well, it is, but what you can do <laughs> is have most of the back it and you can blast it into the side of the net. I mean, look, that's a free kick that even Liverpool, would have to say, <sighs> will execute that free kick perfectly. I'd say less than 50% of the time. Certainly now they don't have that as a secret in their toolkit anymore, so they're not going to be able to use that again very often. But it was just so superbly executed. The back from South. <sighs> A perfect strike from Ta that started outside the goal frame and curled back in. Just beautiful, beautiful, outrageous. I think one of the co- Lee Dixon, I think, suggested that Kepper was moving a little bit late towards that ball. He could have been like standing in that part of the net and it would have blasted straight. <laughs> and gone in. It was so hard. It was like a howitzer, rod.
0: Oh mate, I will say I loved it. Trent Alexander Arnold. He didn't even have to worry about the up-and-down parties. like sod that. It was sensational. Salah rolling it into the path. TAA steaming into the ball. I mean, Wolf Blitzer himself probably thought, I was named after that goal. Uh, as it went hurtling into the corner. Should be noted, past the carrying Jorginho, who was meant to block the kick, but decided instead to turn his back and duck as it flew past it. I mean, a stun kepper. But I digress, because we've got to talk about what a player Trent Alexander-Arnold is. It effortlessly moved him from the status of bright, young, talented, future five-tool prospect to what he is now, to me, fully-fledged big man in the big moments for a big team in the biggest games. Out of all the world-class talents on that field for Liverpool, Davo, they deferred to 20-year-old Trent Alexander-Arnold. That was the player who they decided yeah. to put the ball on the end of his foot and he was relied upon. And he delivered. It's magnificent.
1: Yeah, and look, Liverpool, Jürgen Klopp saying, look, Chelsea, we'll see your babies and we'll raise it with our (laughs) uber-baby, Trent Alexander-Arnold. And, like, it was a... It it took the baby narrative away from the blue and put it over to the red.
0: You think think that's a baby? This is a baby. baby. This is a baby. Doing his German... Crocodile Dundee impersonation. But here's what I'd draw strength from if I was a Chelsea fan, which is a very hard frame of mind for me to even pretend to be able to put myself into. But here's what I would if I could, which is yeah, Chelsea. They persevered. Tammy Abraham, Chelsea's Lone Ranger. He had his chance in the 25th minute, looped in on Adrian who must have been wearing his Allison cologne. He made a fine thigh save. Huge respect to Adrian. This upsets me to even have to say this. I'd hoped he would completely weaken Liverpool's bat line, but he seized his chance, and it hurts me to say this. He's been a revelation. They also had your VAR, minuscule, minutiae decision, and I felt for you, Dave. I felt for you. How did you experience the VAR, overruled, Dave, non-equaliser?
1: I mean, look, it's not fun. I mean, every fan of every team is going to get their heartbroken by a bar decision going against them this season. But it's what we signed up for, is that we've signed up for, if it's a millimetre offside, it's a millimetre offside. You know, there are problems with it. Like, is that the same phase of play? There are problems with it. Like, at what point is the ball actually released from the foot? It can make a difference. You know, basically we're putting a lot of uh, weight on the VT operator, who's like freezing um, the image at exactly the right time. But it was... It's the right decision. And look, as Piliqueta, Dave, he's Spanish. That means he's foreign. He's not English. Only English people can score legal goals for Chelsea. And they've pretty much got to be under the age of 21. So, Dave, you're not going to get on the score sheet.
0: Lloyd Cole used to have a gorgeous song. Listen to it. Tottenham fans in particular. Chelsea fans really deprived by VAR. Are you ready to be heartbroken? That's what I thought of uh, when this happened. Your Chelsea side, they had the resilience to see the goal to mighty Liverpool and take it on the chin to force their way back into the game. What they couldn't survive is the false hope of an equaliser ruled off by VAR. And we saw this a couple of times this week in the Spurs game too, and I want to chat about it there, but it is and it was psychologically demoralising for the team who'd had the goal awarded to then have it chalked off. Lamps later said the VAR decision was deflating. Here's what I think. Instead of complaining... Teams should just start training for VAR overall goals in practice. The emotional mood swing. Lampsh is young baby players. Just give them all jellos to delighted young players, and then he should just calmly urinate on each of those jellos while his giddy chargers are still high fiving for their good luck. Got to get used to having something that you really dream about being taken away from your footballers.
1: I'm interested to see how this affects football going forward about whether or not goals are still going to be celebrated in the same way. There's going to be a knock-on effect from this somehow. Just, like, I'm sure exactly what it's going to be right now. Yeah,
0: but if, you, if you're if you going down that pathway, it's a dangerous game. It's a dangerous game. If you go on WebMD, which I may or may not have done... If you repress an orgasm, it's one of the most hurtful and self-damaging things you can do to your body. Let it out. Let the joy flow. And if it, you know, just feel all the emotions. Learn to feel all of the emotions if that goal is chalked off. And in this one, it was game-changing because 28th minute, VAR ruled out the equaliser. And by the 30th minute, it was Chelsea nil, Liverpool 2. Because from another free kick, blown marking assignment in the middle, They're not really in the same zip code as Bobby Chompers, who nodded home. What were the Devo experiences in that second?
1: Well, look, it was another foul on the outside of the box. Terrible set-piece defending. (sighs) Look, on a positive, I'd say that Chelsea actually neutralised Liverpool. And one of their achievements, other than going forward, is they stopped Liverpool playing through them as Liverpool have played through every other team this season. And they've reduced them to two set-piece goals. But if you're going to give up goals from set pieces, you're going to lose to a lot of teams in, you know, not just Liverpool. You're going to lose to a lot of the Burnleys. You can lose to some of the promoted teams as Everton, well. Just Everton, not good enough. Everton, well,
0: Everton. huge not that, credit, not that worried about <laughs> a Liverpool football club. They have scored 34 goals from set piece situes in the Premier League. It's amazing since the beginning of last season, which I think is seven more than any other club. It feels watching them that they have a set piece planned, thought ahead for almost. Uh, every possibility. They're so well-conceived. They're so well-drilled. Stunning, diverse array of options. It's a, To me, like watching San Antonio Spurs and their creative variety of ATO inbounds plays, they, they, they have a true American sports stats and analytics influence, Liverpool. They really do. I mean, You look at other clubs who can't even work out who's going to take their bloody penalties. Klopp is looking at, Repetitious situations, throw ins, they bring in a coach that can help us with set plays. Some minute advantages of these high percentage opportunities around the box. If you can increase the margins of your performance with them by slight percentages, it translates into hard points won. We saw that in this game. I mean, Chelsea, I agree with you. You've got to feel. God, their game plan was excellent. They reduced Liverpool to three shots on goal. Sadly, two of them. Went in and, and God love Chelsea. They even made a fist of that second half. Tammy and the excellent, and to me now quite underrated, Joel Matit. Just tussling Kante and Verge, mano and Mano for headers, which was hilarious to watch. And it was actually bizarrely, bizarrely close fight. It was wonderful. Liverpool backed off. You did, you made Liverpool bat off. Whatever happened, Liverpool decided to favour their back line instead of pressing hard, which is always where their defence begins. And once that gear went into reverse, Chelsea made Liverpool seem oddly vulnerable, David.
1: Well, yeah, and Tomori played Salah superbly, matched him for pace, which is amazing to see a central defender do that. I thought Chelsea played really well. It's very tough as a Chelsea fan to see too many negatives in this match other than set-piece defending. And look, Frank Lampard is still doing extreme building work on this club. He's not putting in the finishing touches, which Jürgen Klopp is doing in his stable squad. Yes, Jürgen has had the problem with dealing with the loss of Alisson and and having Adrian playing there. But he's really, he's got his personnel. He knows his team. He knows his formation. He knows how he's going to go and play. Those players know each other so well. You know, Frank is at the beginning of his Chelsea tenure, beginning of these players starting to gel, beginning of putting in a new system. But, you know, early signs are it's very good. And that second half, I thought Chelsea were electric electric for most of that half at both ends of the field and when it came to the goal, the goal was just something else. Oh,
0: extreme building work. That sounds like Tuesdays in the gym for Devo, a light day. Kante, let us praise that man. So excellent, just scurrying everywhere with commitment, with technique, with class. I mean, that goal buzzing around the area, tiny man being his marker, then closed in by three hulking Liverpool defenders. And just the casualist the flicks that he unleashed, the scoop almost into that top corner. Oh, Davo.
1: And this is after Lee Dixon has said, you know, the problem with Chelsea is that none of their midfielders score goals. And I think N'Golo must have heard that. And this, this, was, this was spite scoring just to upset Lee Dixon. But it is true. This is what Chelsea need. They need more contributions from that central midfield. I don't think Jorginho's going to score. N'Golo is the guy who's probably got to step up and go and do it. Wonderful piece of footwork. Wonderful finish. You know, absolutely nothing <laughs> that Adrian could do about it. And at that point, you just thought game
0: on, they might just nick a point out of this. Yeah, can I just say, one of the many, many underrated joys of N'Golo Kante is that when he scores, he's never quite sure exactly how he should celebrate. (laughs) He just, he always seems so confused. And then a wave of embarrassment just overtakes him that he scored and thrust his individual brilliance into the spotlight in which he clearly ideologically believes is a sheer collective game. And I love it. He just seemed embarrassed and then tried to trot back to the halfway line. Nothing to see here. N'Golo Kante and his Chelsea, they toiled. Liverpool were rocked in this one. They felt their own blood in their mouth. They're in a genuine fight for the first time in the league this season. And at the death, you had Batshuayi heading over. You had Mason Mount blowing. Oh, David, poetry. An incredible chance. First time, close range after a beautiful Alonso pass. Poor Frank Lampard in agony on the sideline, having to powerlessly, cruelly watch exactly the kind of chance that Frank used to routinely take a mate, right?
1: Yeah, really with his left foot. But it was, a, it was a fantastic, it was a Frank-like run into the box. Oh, I just felt like it was going to hit the target, but it didn't. But I was proud of the way Chelsea played in that second half, proud of the way the babies performed. And you come out of it and you look at eight points from six games, which if you just said that to me before the season, I'd have been like, oh my God, it's going to be a disaster. I won't <laughs> even want to poll, let alone like talk to Roger. And I actually feel, I'm not sure I've ever felt better about Chelsea.
0: It's just a very, very odd feeling. It is a weird feeling. I mean, Frank Lampard's name sung throughout the game, despite the fact that his Chelsea have lost twice at Stamford Bridge just this week. You've got some concerns. Obviously, Chelsea conceding six goals in eight games under Lamps is almost un-Chelsea and not sustainable. But how are you feeling about this? Uh, These words don't even go together, Davo. Chelsea, noble, losing.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, look, if it was just Noble losing absent of the sense of a rebuilding project, I think it would be difficult. But you look at the amount of talent on that field and you look at Tamori and Abraham and Mount and how these players are, are coming on and then you look at who we've got on the bench, you look at who we've got coming back from injury and Golo Kante is only just back. Rudiger, who's our best central defender, still coming back into the side. And you sort of feel like it's all going to be OK. It's all going to be great there will be no fun in noble losing in the final third of the season. I think we're going to have to see, you know, some significant progress there, but right now, you look at the building blocks, you look at the players getting this incredible experience. I mean, you cannot you cannot substitute the experience of that game for Chelsea's young players. There's no amount of training, no amount of youth preparation, no amount of national team experience that will substitute for what they learned coming through that game against a superb Liverpool who they neutralised for very, very yeah. large spells of the game. Yeah.
0: Frank, at the of mood. I'm proud of you, lads. I'm proud of you. Oh, we have to button Liverpool. Not at their best yet, still victorious, which is, as you always say, Davo, what champions do, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, look, and this you could look at it two ways. Were they not at their best? Were they not allowed to play at their best? Either way, it comes to the same result, is that they won a game against a top-six rival at Stamford Bridge, a difficult place historically for Liverpool to go and play football, even though they've had some success in the last few years. And credit them, this was this a was the result. They are the. I know it's ridiculous, we're six games into the season, but they are the presumptive champions at this point, and they haven't shown anything yet that looks like a chink in the armour. Not to me.
0: Fifteen straight wins, five points clear, and Sheffield United, Leicester, Man United and Tottenham Between them and English football's longest win street record. Will they land the Holy Grail? Lift the title for the first time in three decades. Here's how I think about it. If I'm Manchester City, I figure we can take at least three points from Liverpool and then leave Everton, obviously, to extract another six. So title race still very much back on. Oh, Jay dubs is just shaking his head in the saddest way possible. <laughs> Quick word, though, on our weekly topic of what in the world is going on with our Lord and Saviour, Christian Pulisic on the bench like Eli Manning. Politic getting zero minutes in the game this big is not good, is it, David?
1: Yeah, but I think there's some context here. Emerson went down early, had to be replaced by Alonso. Then Christensen went down, had to be replaced by Kurt Zuma. He only had one substitute left. Yes, he chose to bring on bats at that point instead of, instead of Christian. After the game, Frank actually said that it didn't really have anything to do with the injuries. You know, maybe he wouldn't have been his, you know, first or second attacking option off the bench. You know, the more worrying thing is that Callum Hudson-Odoi is coming back. And where is, you know, Pulisic might not even... If you look at that bench with a fit Callum Hudson-Odoi, is Pulisic even on that bench? Does he get in ahead of Pedro? Tough to say right now.
0: Yeah, I mean, on one hand, you can make the case young player needs time to adjust to just the intense differences that we can't fully understand, but everyone talks about as a pl- from a player's perspective uh, that inherit in Premier League football. But on the other hand, $73 million, that's not a young player needs time sit you. It's just not. And Willian getting the nod over him. And as you say, Callum Hudson, the doy coming back soon does make you worry about the depth chart. Here's how I think about it. Footballers' careers, every footballer's career is defined by how they deal with adversity. Christian started off so well at Dortmund, became an American hero quickly, and then lost his place. Uh, And when you speak to Dortmund journalists who followed that team week in, week out, said he didn't mentally adjust to that demotion well. I have no doubt, no doubt, that he belongs in the Premier League technically. But this season to me, and this stage of his career, this critical stage, will be all about his confidence, his mental strength, his tenacity. Having said that, A Chelsea in transition is probably not the most nourishing environment he could find himself in as he tries to assert and define himself. He's just turned 21. Turned 21 last week. And Chelsea, I know you're listening. Best gift. Just give him a little bit of playing time. Just a little bit.
1: Well, I think you'll play against Grimsby. The
0: the, the game (laughs) that dreams are made of.
1: Yeah, I think he will play against Grimsby. But look, that's in all seriousness, Rog. He's going to have to take his opportunities where he's going to get them. It's a long season. Chelsea are involved in four competitions. He's going to get opportunities to play. What he's got to do, like many other Chelsea players who've come before, he's going to have to take his opportunities in those games and get the manager's attention and put himself in the frame. You know, Ruben Loftus-Cheek was invisible to Sarri until he started scoring every time he came on in the Carabao Cup and in the FA Cup. And I think Pulisic might have to do the same. And I think that the price tag, if there's one club in the world where the price tag doesn't really matter... It's at Chelsea. I think he's going to have to, like, force his way into the team. And for Christian, that will make him a better player. It's these challenges that will make him better.
0: Yep. If you're listening, Christian, just get ready. The mighty Mariners, Grimsby Town.
1: (laughs) Going in with their keys. (laughs) Uh, Okay, Rog, Manchester City, 8, Watford, nil. Uh... Coming off that shocking upset at Norwich, City eviscerate the hapless (sighs) Into Miami's David Silva started the scoring just 53 seconds into the game. And it was a – I tell you, Watford did quite well to hold them off for 52 seconds. And it was just a (laughs) sky-blue wave of shock and awe from there on out. They were 5-0 up after 18 minutes, the fastest any side – was ever reached that mark in the Premier League. In the end, Bernardo had a hat-trick. DJ KDB registered an early goal of the season contender, and Sergio Aguero scored in his seventh straight league appearance. In the end, City hand Watford their heaviest defeat Uh. ever and come just shy of a Premier League record. Can I tell you something, Roger? When I think about this game, I don't remember it in live action. I can only remember it in animation. It was like a Saturday morning cartoon, more than it was a football game. (laughs)
0: The highlights lasted longer than the actual game itself. There were so many goals that they had. It was just an oxymoronic crushing together of comedy and just human darkness. This was was not just Man City's record Premier League win. It was also, and we timed this, it was the earliest the Simpsons stop it, stop it, he's already dead gif has ever been flooded uh, over Twitter during a Premier League game. It was like the closest thing I've ever seen was not footballing. It was when Drogon burnt down King's Landing. But this this was more one-sided. Watford just strolled onto that field, looking about as confident in their own abilities as, let's say, Sean Spicer in Dancing with the Stars. And nine minutes later, it ended with the fans chanting, who put the ball in Watford's net? Half the effing team did. Watford, oh, they just felt like Thai women's national team feelings, David.
1: This was difficult to watch. I mean, one thing we love about the Premier League is how competitive it is. You know, we you just don't see results like this in the Premier League. And it wasn't even just the result. It was just how one-sided the football was. Credit Man City. I mean, every cut to Pet on the bench. It's not like he was having a good day. This was a bad day for Pet. I mean, I think he wanted at least 24-0. And even that might not have satisfied him. It's like he's looking for things that that mere mortals watching football or supporting their clubs aren't looking for. He's looking for perfection every single step of the way. I
0: made a film with KDB and looked at a lot of footage of him playing in like Walloon Leagues or Flemish Leagues or whatever he was kicking around in when he was six, seven or eight. And, you know, like those players are just already so dominant playing against little kind of local village rapscallions. I think the footage of him playing in this game, he was even more dominant than he was when playing on the cow pastures of lowland Belgium when he was six and seven. He had two assists and a goal in this game. Probably could have had at least three more assists if Kun Aguero hadn't kind of insisted on keeping hitting the post. It's, it's passing. The only way I can describe it, it was full on sexual baby emergence, it really was the the writer Daniel Storey calculated that KDB has now created more chances than any other player in the league and he's played in less than 70% of of Man City's league minutes here's what I want to know from you, Man City destroyed Watford, humiliated them bare ass smacked them 6-0 in May's FA Cup final they defenestrate them 8-0 in the Premier League this season here's what I want to know, what have little Watford. They seem like a nice nice guy. They seem, you know, cute and decent and just, you know, fairly vanilla. But what did nice guy Watford do to Manchester City, Davo, that we don't know about? Because there must have been some slight, some disrespect. There must be some grudge, some broigus, Davo, some slight of like Pep's weekend casual style or Harry the Hornet teaching yoga to, to Manchester City's ex-wife. What do you think they did that we don't know about?
1: I mean, look, QSF is very good-looking. I mean, in the four oh, stakes. Oh,
0: you would, though, wouldn't you?
1: I mean, he's on Pep. I mean, you know I'm a big Pep fan, and I would, but QSF, Rog, come yeah. on. Well,
0: he's not taking come down on. Sean Dykes, that level. other good-looking ginge, in, yeah. in the dugout, in the well, same... Sir? <laughs> At Fip says that Watford said Tiny Dancer was better than Wonderwall. Coriella seventy two tweeted to say this is all just a deep state plot to somehow make Arsenal uh, and their draw against Watford look bloody awful. Ultimately, to me, Watford just had the misfortune to play City after they, in their own turn, were biblically smited by Norwich. And I will say, wearing yellow against City probably was not a wise move. So close to the Canaries mugging Pep off. You do not mug Pep off and get away with it. City, what a monstrous machine. Seven goals in a game they've scored this year in the Premier League, in the FA Cup, in the League Cup, in the Champions League. After six games, this is amazing, scored more goals already, 24, than Huddersfield Town did in all of last season. And who's up next, Davo? Uh, Everton? What could go wrong now? Nothing.
1: Yeah, Nothing. Well, seven, a 7-0 seven loss would be a victory, Rog. Oh,
0: keep it that close. i bite your arm off for 7-0 right now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, Rog. Talking about biting your own arm off. Arsenal 3, Aston Villa <laughs> 2. The design shaved into Oba's head may have actually been Arsenal fans' heart rate during this one. They go down 1-0. They have Ainsley, Maitland, Niles, oh. all three of them sent off. They pull level through a Pepe penalty fall behind a second time, only to stall back and level the score through. Callum Chambers, remember him, Rog, in the 81st minute. And three minutes later, the official Gabonese ambassador to Islington popped off from outside the box to cap a quite remarkable comeback, and they move Arsenal into fourth place.
0: Oh, There's so many moments in this game which are just like, to me, essence of Arsenal. I mean, Maitland-Niles limping off after injuring himself whilst earning a second yellow card and getting a red possibly the most symbolic Arsenal moment of the season. Uh, Aston Villa going 2-1 up with David Luiz choosing to air guitar a whiff of a clearance to leave Grealish an easy chance to score was up there also. But then you had Socrates take a bat. How did he not get an Emmy for this? I don't know. I don't know. Just rumbling with a bemused Wesley. Uh, Somehow it ended with Socrates falling in between the giant strikers' legs on the floor and then doing what any normal person would do in that situation Punching himself deliberately in the face, then flinging himself flat out on the turf in agony—just some elaborate effort to confuse the referee into thinking that the large Brazilian had hit him. It was Arsenal, Arsling, in just the most Arsenally of ways, David.
1: Yeah, that moment was just something else.
0: I, th- I think they train. They must train. It must be a trim. Liverpool are busy doing. All right, Salah, you roll the ball back to me, and I'll smack it into that. That's what they do in training. Arsenal, are like lads, if you hit yourself in the face, may you think, yeah, maybe let's try it.
1: No, if they were training, it would be WWE <laughs> level, which it was not. It was just, it was just uh, absolutely ridiculous.
0: Somehow, um, though, they ended up winning. I mean, largely, they won this because Aston Villa just cannot hold a lead this season. Respect to Pepe, first goal in the Premier League from the spot. Callum Chambers for exhuming himself from wherever the hell he's been for the past couple of years. And when they need a hero, they always get one in over. Sublime free kick to land those three points. But we don't say these words together a lot, Davo, and we should. Arsenal and tenacity. Well, we should celebrate it anyway. We're not going to say them that often. But Arsenal and tenacity, Dave. that was about as tenacious. Ten men, everyone laughing. You've done your clown tropes and you still win. That is, to me, that's humanly remarkable.
1: No, it's definitely remarkable. And look, Arsenal have so much talent. They've got so many good players. They're such a, you know, potentially great football team. It's at the opposite. You come out as a Chelsea fan from watching them play against Liverpool and you feel good about where your team are on the project. I really find it tough to think that many Arsenal fans come out of that game, even after the win, feeling great about where they are as a club.
0: You look at Gendouzi and the art that he's lived out over the past month as a symbol of everything that is complex and contradictory about this Arsenal. Just, by the way, incredible performance yesterday, stepping up when others, almost everyone would hide. And you look at his flip-flopping narrative Michael Kerrin, my Arsenal supporter mate that I always check in with after games, he called him a king, Gendouzi, after he propelled the 2-2 draw against Tottenham. Then last week, after Gendouzi was subbed out against Watford and decided to hold up two fingers to show the score moments before Watford then went equalised, he downgraded Gendouzi. Michael Kerrin did too. He's just a French knob. And now... After this performance, Genduzi is back to, quote, being class for his age, which is the greatest compliment. And it, that, to me, in a, in a one-player <laughs> it's just like there's so many teams are undecipherable this season. United, Spurs, Arsenal, you never know what you're going to get. But this team are particularly perplexing. When they seem to be cruising, they wilt. When they careen into a ditch, they rise up with just a fist of fury, as they did in this game. Their fans feel every emotion. They are in fourth place, just two points behind Manchester City. But somehow, it still feels like Unai Emery is on thin, thin ice, David.
1: Yeah, because it's sort of unsure where they're going and what kind of football they're playing and what you're going to get out of this team on a a weekly basis. Having said that, Unai Emery is only at the beginning of his second season. And you sort of feel like he needs a bit more time with this squad needs to figure out a way to get the best out of his players. And it gets worse for Villa, Rodge next Sunday at 8.30 a.m. Eastern time. Your show, Aston Villa, the promoted debuts featuring brilliant interviews with childhood Villa fan, turn coach Dean Smith, your hair hero, Jack Grealish, and the remarkable oh. Tyrone Mings. It is fantastic to watch, despite the fact that you're in it. Oh, I don't mean that. You're promoted. Norwich and Sheffield United <laughs> are available now on NBC Sports YouTube. <laughs> oh, my God. Leicester 2, Tottenham 1. Spurs took the lead on 29 minutes when Harry Kane, what a goal, Rog, while going to ground, somehow managed to bank his shot off the turf and pass Kasper Schmeichel in the 64th minute. Potch's mob looked to have doubled their lead through Sun, only to have the VAR VAR Binks Render it offside just five minutes later. Leicester marched down the other end and Jamie Vardy's pullback was thumped home by Ricardo. And in the 85th minute, an absolute stonker from the only Premier League player to have an American university named after him, James Madison, (laughs) sealed the win for Brogge's mob and moved them to third in the table.
0: Oh, I don't know. I taught them. I just, my heart aches. I watched them. I was on jury duty, just locked in a room for 20, well, it wasn't 24 hours. It felt like 24 hours. It was, uh, I felt like Watford uh, (laughs) after they left uh, Manchester City. But I had nothing to do and I just watched the Olympiacos game Uh, Spurs letting a 2 0 lead slide midweek after they conceded a 2 0 lead in the North London Derby at the beginning of September. Sad Harry Kane said about Pochettino, he's been here for five years now and we're still making similar mistakes as we were in the first year. And I thought about that, how prescient those words were uh, by full time of this game. Another weekend of toiling frustration, of disappointment for Spurs. Again, they took a lead they couldn't hold. From an unbelievably inspired moment of collective team play, finished by the improvisational brilliance uh, of Harry Kane. Lamella is precise pass, split the Leicester defence. Sonny clearly been watching Bobby Firmino's Wizard Filth DVDs with the back flick and Harry Kane, David. What a finish from the floor.
1: It's a goal I've watched so many times, and it, almost watching this goal in slow motion, it sort of helps you understand what happened but it doesn't actually help you understand how good it was oh. just watching that in real time, in real motion, how he managed to not only what an athlete to be able to do it. And sometimes Harry Kane doesn't get all the credit he deserves as an athlete, his flexibility, his balance to go and to be able to pull that off, just technique, even in that position. But just the sheer will oh. the sheer bloody mindedness of a goal scorer to figure a way to score from that position unbelievable
0: I, I was always as a kid fascinated by drunken monkey style kung fu where the fighter oh. creates confusion he uses the movements of a monkey drinking stolen wine which I love a monkey who thought that yeah, the movements of those of a monkey drinking stolen wine it has to be stolen It can't, the monkey kind of bought the wine legally but this is Harry Kane's drunken monkey moment to me he, he's staggering into the box. A man who, by the way, is derided for diving by those who despise his success. It's the most English thing to try and cut down successful individuals. But here, he was shoved, and he looked like a drunk lolling out of a bar late night as he went sprawling to the floor, spread eagle And he takes such crap that he's a diver. And here he showed, spread-eagled on the floor, that he still had the elite finishing skills to drop his meaty foot onto the ball and just chop it like an incredible ping-pong serve into the net. It was all-round, humanly magnificent to watch. Oh, at more at FTW, he scores when he falls. He scores when he falls. Harry Kane, he scores when he falls. And in the 58th minute, Sonny missed an excellent chance, screwing a shot wide of the post with a goal at his mercy. The commentator, I couldn't believe this, screamed, that surely would have wrapped the game up for Spurs! As if he was the only person in the world who does not know what happens to Spurs when they go 2-0 ahead. Then Aurier did score. It was off for being millimetres offside. Correct application. Do we, we should get into this for a second. Far haters... See it as a way to, that squeezes the life and joy out of the game. I don't have a problem with it, to be honest. If if it's offside by a couple of millimetres, it is off. I, I think it's like if if VAR was instantaneous, David, like they had microchips in the ball and the players' boots. I think it would have fewer detractors. It's the it's the people being cheated emotionally, the surging joy of a goal turning to ashes in their mouth that pisses them off, right?
1: Yeah. And look, I think that's I think there's a lot of truth to that. I do think though that there is. There is one issue with this millimeters offside thing, which is to do with we really don't understand where the video is being frozen to decide the release point. Correct. Because millimeters offside may be centimeters onside if they've frozen that video at the wrong point. And I think that is something which we sort of need to understand <laughs> more that's going on. But I also think that if we're going to get into this micro- And this is what feels a little odd. I have no problem with VAR, and I think if offside is going to be called, it doesn't matter if you're millimeters offside or if you're three feet offside, it's offside, and it should be correctly applied. But you can't have that and then have all these other very subjective decisions that go into so many refereeing decisions. You know, we have this clock, which is completely and utterly inaccurate. We have goalkeepers allowed to get away with things or – Sort of different rules apply to that player. We have different rules applied to <laughs> offensive players and defensive players. It's starting to shine a light on how much other stuff. If you're going to be this precise over offside, let's figure out how to be this precise over everything else. Because it's it's starting Fair. to like make football look a little silly.
0: Yeah, we don't like football when it's a little silly. David Luiz. Leicester they went up the other end immediately again after a VAR ruling. Spurs wilted. End of the field, Ricardo banging the equaliser home. At Brennan, Casey, 11, tweeted only Spurs could blow a two-goal lead while only allowing one goal. Yep, hypothetical two-nil leads are, as we've always said, the most dangerous in football. It would get worse for Spurs. James Madison, a dashing, handsome spark plug, charged through the middle all game long in an advanced role, free on the end of the box. Just drilled that ball with wit, with power, with precision, and wonder into the corner. He rifled it to finish Spurs' narrative-fulfilling implosion.
1: Yeah, this was heartbreaking. But let's not take away from Leicester. What a football team, Rog. You know, and all the, let's just say, light ribbing we give to the Brodge. But he's put together a team that looked like they are legitimately going to contend, not just for the top six, but for the top four. James Madison, (sighs) a player who just electrifies with every appearance. He's Beckham-like, that uh, ability with his right oh, wow. foot, Wow. Tottenham were beaten by a very good team this
0: weekend. I agree. James Madison, I rarely ever seen a player who's been more obviously clear that he's not sticking around at Leicester for very long, but just enjoy him while you've got him. Producer J-Dubs calls Brendan Rodgers the sixth Derry girl. And then did (laughs) mumble on in victory that we have to protect our home. This is our home. We have supporters in the stands. Brodge then doubled down. Families in the stands. Uh, No doubt mumbled on about a die for those family in our stands. Leicester have looked so good this season, apart from when they play against the big six. This win will be such a psychological lift. They will now believe a top four challenge is for real. But, oh, my God, Spurs. Every emotion within 90 minutes their fans are now experiencing. every game, almost a microscopic masterpiece. Like one of Cornell's boxes containing every single human experience from certain unwavering victory to shattered self-sabotaging doom. God, as an Everton fan, I say Spurs fans, Godspeed to you.
1: Another big team in trouble this weekend, Rod. West Ham 2, Manchester United 0. United are undone and frankly outclassed by the Irons. Ukrainian international Andrei Yarmolenko put them in front with a clever finish on 44 minutes. United did come out with more fight in the second half, but it was that man, top of the league, one Ipswich Towns, Aaron <laughs> Creswell, <laughs> oh JW, who curled a free kick, top in on 84 minutes, cut to a very pale Ole on the sideline as his Manchester United have not won in nine away league games. Oh,
0: Dave, I, this is it. I've come to realise this season, and now you're watching the show, it works. Manchester United. They're just football's way-star Royco, David. They are. They are just, like, oh, once all-powerful, now totally faltering. Sir Alex, obviously, Logan Roy, Ed Woodward, Tom, uh, which I guess makes Ole Cousin Greg. And in this one, Cousin Greg had Pogba, Martial out. God, they were just languid. They were cumbersome, Matic, and Mata no match for, let's say, Industrious West Ham, multifaceted West. We should do West Ham first before we examine the corpse, Davo. West Ham, God love you, West Ham. You, you have suffered, West Ham fans. You, you've had raised hopes. You've had flickering moments of glory, just undone by a botch move to a new stadium. You've had Manuel Pellegrini come in, a gent who, who similarly, like your club, has experienced moments of wonder and great moments of disrespect in his career, and now. You've got the giddiness of a top four chase, and it's real. Savour every moment. You deserve a season of glory. They're very, very good, powered by Mark Noble.
1: Real fight in this team. Some very, very skillful players. Pellegrini seems to have really put his imprint on this squad and attractive to watch. You know, it's fun watching games from the London Stadium, Rog, and not just because you don't know how the fans are going to behave or what they're going to do. It's uh, The football is actually really
0: good. Yeah, and this one, though, United... It was like watching them go down with all hands, without a trace. Season record, two wins, two draws, two defeats. 4-0 glory against Chelsea. Feels like it happened last season already. It's, it's like, they used to be marquee, must-watch, destination viewing United. They really did. This is what fans who, who are newer to the Premier League, they won't even believe it. United it used to be the game of the week. Rooney, Ronaldo, Giggs, skulls, Beckham. Couldn't take your eyes off them, Davey. Eh? Watching them trudge through, who do who are you excited about when they're on the ball? I mean, Daniel James because yeah, Wan uh, Bissaka because of his just tackling verve and pe- but like who who's electrifying for United?
1: This is a shadow of its former self. You know, huge new contract given to David de Gea. You're not even sure that that makes any sense. These are troubling times for United fans. Those cut those shots of Ed Woodward. Oh in my the, God! In the owner's box. Oh my God! Very 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 odd.
0: Ashen faced. In the director's box, injured Phil Jones. For reasons unknown, sitting right behind Ed Woodward. Ed Woodward, I know you're listening. You do have difficult decisions to make. United results since you... Gave him the job after that. Give him the job win at Paris Saint-Germain in March the 6th. Played 20, won five, drawn four, lost 11. On Sky, Roy Keane said, it's scary how far United have fallen. And Jose Mourinho, who continues to talk about United as if he has done nothing (laughs) whatsoever. Nothing to do with their downfall. It's like watching CNN with like the getting ex-politicians on immediately to talk about political situations they've been very involved in. They asked him, what do you think is missing, Jose, with this United side? And he said, pretty much everything, which is his way, I guess, of referring to himself. United, David, another reset, which to me is starting to feel inevitable, which would be their fourth reboot in the seven years since Sir Alex retired. Is that, is that the only move at this point? Are we just biding our time?
1: It's just really hard to say, mean that amazing fact in this game that the commentary team came up with that Pellegrini has beaten Four, he's the first manager to beat four Manchester United managers. And you suddenly think, wow, that's impressive. Then you (laughs) realise, no, that's taken about three years. Um, And it's it's just not, you know, and I don't think a single one of those wins was against Sir Alex Ferguson. It's hard to know, you know. And yet, what I find amazing about football is we can look at clubs and we can see them doomed. You know, you can see it like, look at where we were with West Ham just, you know, two seasons ago. And you're thinking, oh, it's the stadium, where's the squad, where's the team? And now they're going out and they're handily beating Man United. So teams can turn it around very quickly. It's
0: true. Um, a common denominator on that point is David Moyes' management, David, which yeah. is a thing that both teams have exercised from their cultures. But talking about great managers... Oh.
1: Southampton 1-1, Bournemouth 3. The Cherries get their first ever win at Southampton... In this Friday night clash on the South Coast, goals from Nathan RK and Wilsons, Harry and Callum, the latter's fourth of the season, give Eddie Howe's side 10 points from their first six games. They're sick in the table, Rog.
0: Bournemouth. Seeded 65% possession. We're outshot 25-6, to six, but still leave with South Coast bragging rights, perhaps the toniest and most subtle bragging rights. Eddie Howe, Dave, we, we become inured to his brilliance. I mean, to me, he's a sex god, and most pertinently, for implied nuance reasons, childhood Everton fan. I'm not saying, I'm just saying. If you're listening, Farhad Mashiri.
1: Burnley to Norwich nil from uh, the bright lights of that win over Man City. Rog, the Canaries go down the mine shaft that is Turf Moor and they get punched in the mouth by Lancashire bash <laughs> brother Chris Wood, who scored on 10 and 14 minutes. The Clarets have eight points on their first six. Norwich, meanwhile, come back down to earth. They've conceded more than anyone but Watford.
0: Yeah, a bit after the Lord Mayor's show for the Canaries against an impressive, robust, clinical Burnley. But in massive news in the world of linguistics, we learned this week from a GFOP Dwyne Stock, that Puki Davo in Hebrew means little fart. <laughs> and apparently, Israeli really Premier League commentators have just been having a field day. Like every Norwich game that they have to commentate, they just say his name and then giggle all season long. Global GFOPs listening, please keep us advised on all of this whole new dimension of football that Pookie's name in Hebrew has opened up to us. I cannot, cannot, cannot wait to find out that like Klopp in Hebrew means like herpes or gastrointestinal disorders or like, just keep them keep coming
1: irritable bowel syndrome yeah maybe we will see uh newcastle nil brighton nil i watched the entire 90 minutes of this game roger quite an away day for seagulls fans who travel 326 miles up the a1 to see a turgid goalless draw against steve bruce hornsby's side both these teams already have that come here the relegation look in their bloodshot eyes
0: newcastle they are like the miami dolphins of the Premier League, but without all the pastel clothing. 29% possession against Brighton in front of their home fans. And Steve Bruce's only tactical plan B was to throw on recently exhumed Andy Carroll for the last 10 minutes. Let's chuck on the big lad. Time to put himself about. And once again, an air of mutiny. And this makes me sad, rumbling out the north. Leicester, Manchester United and Chelsea up next for Newcastle. It's all a bit darkness on the edge of tune.
1: Crystal Palace one, Wolves won, heartbreaking. Palace looked to be cruising to victory at 1-0 against 10-man Wolves deep into injury time when Joel Ward whiffed on a pretty routine. Adam Traore cross, leaving Diego Jota to poke at home and secure a point for Nuno and co with virtually the last kick of the ball. And then, Rog, Everton nil, Sheffield United 2. Sorry, Rog. The Blades march into Goodison and Everton's run of six league wins on the spin at home, a Yeri Mina own goal. And Lise Mousset strike. I mean, locker room lagers for Chris Wilder's boys, but we're guessing not too much lager for you, I oh,
0: All I say is, Peak Everton has been achieved. Really has, losing 2 0 to a team that you only concede one shot and goal to the whole game. That is. That is. That's hard. You get points for that. <laughs> that's, actually, that's an achievement. <laughs> I mean, ahead of the game, Marco Silva who is a little beleaguered, tried to stave off criticism, call on Everton's players to be, quote, ice men, which I don't understand. He said it's so easy to create a crisis inside Everton. He said, yes, it is easy, Marco, when you so consistently play awful, awful, awful turgid football like you do. In this one, we dominated Sheffield United. Let's be clear. Sheffield United are a recently promoted team in complete transition, a week in which the court awarded ownership to a Saudi prince, Abdullah, who immediately mused about bringing the Bin Laden family in as co-owners. He said, I really get offended when people think the Bin Laden family is a bad name. Uh, bin Laden's a good family. Every family may have one bad person. Yep. And, and Goebbels was just one bad apple in an otherwise fantastic family, apparently. Anyway, back to Everton. 70% possession. 12 corners, so few true chances created, imploding on the first corner, we conceded. And then go, did you see this, David? Because as soon as the corner was awarded, I felt the goal coming in my bones.
1: Everton fans, they, their relationship to corners, they love a corner awarded. They get very excited when they get a corner kick, Rogers. It's because they know what can happen to them when they get one against them.
0: Give bonus points for corners one, lads. FA, just a suggestion. This one, Mina just nutted it past the flapping Jordan Pickford and his tiny arms. Sheffield United hadn't had a shot on goal. Everton 1-0 down. And it was so frustrating to watch. Huge respect to... Sheffield United least heralded at the newly promoted side Chris Wilder local lad childhood United phantom manager just a straight talking no nonsense Yorkshire man eight points from six games seven goals only scored in the process that's pretty bloody impressive mid table is their reward at the final whistle giddy Sheffield United fans bellowed just like Sheffield your city is red which just guaranteed to get a million retweets from Liverpool fans Everton Dave, we are we are crap. We are. This is the sad part. This was meant to be the easy part of the season, the gentle start to our season before the fixture list gets a bit bloody awful. Next week we play football in cremators, Manchester City. Here's my question. I mean, there's a Russian phenomena where life it gets so hopeless you begin to long for Stalin's return, even though you rationally know his leadership was miserable murderous and hunger-filled i'm starting Davo. am i wrong to start to romanticize fondly the days of sam allardyce's tenure
1: roger y- your your highs and lows you've got to modulate and moderate these highs and lows two weeks ago you got very excited on a friday night about everton going top of the table oh. and now you're you're, you're thinking about Bringing back Stalin. Yeah. These are two pretty extreme <laughs> are they, positions. Are they, so, they? Yeah, yeah. Are Those are pretty, Even for a Liverpoolian, I'm,
0: those are pretty extreme. I'm annoyed at myself, mate, because I did look at the table before this game and I did say to myself, if we win, we'll be in the top four temporarily. And then I got annoyed at myself. Don't be like that. You'll curse the team. You'll, lads, you'll bring the lads down. And um, there's nothing else like it in my life, I thought. Like, that I voluntarily refresh hope every week and watch and just get that hope spat back into my face by the players. Apart from, of course, being a Chicago White Sox fan, being a Chicago Bears fan, being a believer in the American democratic system. Everything that I care about seems to be just. I
1: know, but you've got seven points from six games, Rog. In the battle royale of the Premier League 2019 2020 (laughs) season you're fine it's just a you're fine if you're worried about not finishing just below mid table and being irrelevant once again no you're gonna have exactly the same season that you've had for the last 174 seasons that's exaggeration at least the last at least the entire 21st century
0: realizing david at the end of the day i'm just a sporting sisyphus let's talk about something nicer
1: Oh, you love the NWSL, Roger. 48th minute Tobin Heath goal for the Portland Thorns. List them past the Houston Dash. Stops the two-game losing streak and means they've clinched their fourth straight playoff appearance. And they're sick in seven years. So the North Carolina Courage, Chicago Red Stars and Thorns are in, leaving just one playoff spot up for grabs, Roger.
0: Yeah, wow. What a tasty battle, Real. Do we have the the rain And the Royals tied at 31 points going into the final two weeks of the season. And who's playing this week? Well, that important Royals rain game that we promoted uh, last podcast uh, was cancelled last Wednesday on account of unplayable field conditions. Damn you, water! What's it called? Oh, rain. That's what it's called. Right. Right. A, I'm, like, I'm getting confused because it's like the team's called the rain and then there's yeah. rain and all Damn that. You. Kind of Damn <laughs> you. Damn you, that falls from the sky. <laughs> What's that water that falls on the sky called? What's the collective noun for waters falling <laughs> from the sky? The two teams are going to take the field this Wednesday uh, with everything to play for. The game is going to stream live on a little website called yahoo.com.
1: Okay. Roger, your weekend looks like this. It starts at 7.30 a.m. when Sheffield United, fresh off that defeat of mighty
0: Everton,
1: host league leaders Liverpool. Speaking of Everton, they host Manchester City at 12.30 that afternoon. Sunday sees Leicester hosting Newcastle. And then on Monday, it's the big one, Man U versus Arsenal, followed by, apologies, the Men in Blazers show at 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. All of this on the NBC family of networks let's have a prophetic shot of jägermeister and see what the future holds roger
0: oh david you just reminded me everton to play manchester City. i got the same feeling when you read that out as when i do my annual medical and it's genuinely (laughs) the prospect of sitting in front of that game is exactly the same as going through that experience with my beautiful doctor shout out to dr bregman oh here's my jägermeister which is the only medical help i need right now that exclamation point in a glass that genuinely, no matter what I'm feeling, just makes me feel human ecstasy. Here we go. It's the Jägermeister talking, not me. This game, which is going to feel a little bit as if Ralph Wiggum... Had to have a knife fight with Randy, uh, the Ram Robinson from The Wrestler. Uh, oh, winner takes all. The loser's going to be in a truly, truly dark hole of depression. Let me be candid about this one. My Jägermeister predicts oh, Arsenal glory. David Luiz will gift United hope, but it's false hope. Ober and Pepe, 2-1 loss for Ole Gunnar
1: Interesting, Roger. Well, my Jägermeister, taste of the man with the hot hand, Pierre Emmerich, Obama Yang. He's got 16 goals in his last 16 games across all competitions for Arsenal, including five in his last four. Sorry, United fans. My Jägermeister sees Arsenal 3, United 1. Okay, there are many ways to connect to us, including our now extinct Amazon Emporium, which has transformed into the Men and Blazers Bald Mart. Anytime you buy something big or small from the Bald Mart, we get a tiny percentage that allows us to produce additional, albeit suboptimal content. What are you putting in the Bald Mart this week,
0: Roger? A book! Oh, Astro Ball by Ben Reiter. I I picked up after my pitching performance at the White Sox, I was inspired to seek ways to improve my fastball. So I grabbed this heavily recommended beauty. It's a kind of a a money ball 2.0, a tail told. And United fans, you should read this book. It's a baseball team who went from 2014 when they were terrible to 2017 when they became World Series champions. Oh, God love you, Houston Astros. I love Alex Bregman. We've never really talked about that. I love that man. It's a story, though, told from inside the draft room. And I adore this book because it Big Picture talks about how you can turn losing into winning. Good. But also about how you can think differently and try and question um, well-defined norms, includes all the missteps as well as the successes, which really, to me, those were the most important. The statistical insight, a little bit thin, but the human storytelling so artfully constructed, and any fan of any team, yes, even you, Everton Football Club, will savour this rollicking tale beautifully told.
1: I went on my Amazon Prime video last night, and I, I downloaded just a fantastic documentary film you would love it too if you haven't seen it already it's love means zero it's all about a man i used to work for nick volatieri runs the nick volatieri tennis academy oh. down in florida it is such a great documentary not only about tennis but about coaching about power hunger i don't want to give up too much it's just superb it's superb i've been thinking about it all day almost every Football match. We've been thinking about. I've been thinking about the rivalry between Jim Courier and Andre Agassi, and that sort of desire that Jim Courier got by just constantly growing up in Andre Agassiz's shadow. Um, a fantastic film, fantastic documentary. Uh, it's a Showtime movie, but it's available on Amazon Prime Video. Uh, really worth a. Watch. I, okay. lo- I
0: love power hunger, Dave. I'm all in for some power hunger. And while we're talking about documentaries, we're releasing a podcast next Monday on Rosh Hashanah. We're releasing a beautiful podcast with uh, Asif Kapadia, the director of oh, the quite brilliant Diego Maradona documentary, which is about to launch on HBO, which is one of the finest football documentaries uh, I've ever seen. Definitely up there with my Norwich Promoted
1: Oh. <laughs> you might win an Emmy for that Rog uh, you can follow oh, us sorry, on Twitter man. at MenInBlazers at EmbassyDavies at Rog Bennett on Instagram at MenInBlazers at Embassy underscore Davies on Facebook MenInBlazers you can always send your ravens to the crap part of Soho you can always email us at MenInBlazers at gmail.com We've got a new issue of our newsletter The Raven going out this Friday in which you'll preview all of the weekend's big games you can subscribe on MenInBlazers.com Vendor Punk Rog War Pig who wants to sex Matombo I
0: like snacks
1: Balls win, balls win. Take that, Gloria. Balls lose.
0: To Tweed.
1: Abrigado, rock on, mate.
0: Kung Fu, fine America. Love you, Devo. Love you, Rog. I love you, foreign language speakers who can tell us what Pookie means in all of your individual tongues of the world. Pookie.